0: Each Monday, we introduce you to an expert, and today we headed to Hamilton to talk to quantity surveyor Martin Bissett. Now, when we were talking about the possibility of having a quantity surveyor on the show for our expert feature, turned out very few of us on the Afternoons team had the faintest idea what a quantity surveyor does. All the more reason to invite a quantity surveyor onto the show, as we can't be the only ones wondering what they do for a living Martin Bissett, hello there.
1: Hello, Jesse. How are you?
0: Good. Really nice to meet you, and thanks for your time today. Do you often get that blank sort of stare or the moment of silence when you um, meet a stranger and they ask you what you do and you reply, quantity surveyor?
1: Yeah, you're quite right, actually. It's one of those things where I often just say I'm a surveyor because it actually is much easier. People understand what a surveyor is when they say quantity surveyor and you start uh, they start all saying, Oh, you just count bricks or something, don't you? <laughs> and uh, you have to explain what you what you actually have to do. Um so um but yeah, um look, certainly I've enjoyed my, my time being a quantity surveyor in the last thirty uh, odd years.
0: Would you explain what you do?
1: Well, it's very, um, very hard to put it into um, a, a brief sentence, but basically, we're here to uh, assist um, the client to ensure that they get a project that runs to budget and on time. Um, we we will do an estimate. We'll get some contractors on board. Uh, we'll ensure that they're paid the right money at the right time, and then. Basically, in the day, you get a final account and say, here we go. This is what we told you it's going to be. and um, um, That's the final cost. And, and they pay those monies. Now, that's it in very simple terms. Um, but there are very many different aspects of the quantities. We aren't just estimating costs where um, basically we can be project managers. Um, we can do bank drawdowns, which means that we provide finance for the a client they go to a bank we ensure that the bank knows how much money they're spending and we write a report we could be an expert witness Uh, as you know there's been a lot of work on leaky buildings and and there was the earthquake commission and we've all been expert witnesses in certain court cases Um, and we also work on lots of different types of um, buildings not just uh, residential commercial, industrial, we work on the infrastructure as well. Um, so, yeah, it's quite a lot of lot what we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and when you talk about
0: those, those jobs that you are estimating, um, mostly construction jobs,
1: yes? Yes, they are. Yep, very much so. Um, although I will say there was one project that I worked on uh, when I was back in the UK when I uh, worked on... A program, actually a BBC program, where they were reconstructing the awnings um, over the Colosseum, and I had to work out the, the quantities <laughs> of the aw- awnings. Uh, Come but on, that's, uh, something quite quite different. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's great. Wow. So, do you work in? I mean. I'll just say it the builders hate you guys? Are you kind of like uh, looking over their shoulder and saying, Oh have you used all of those? Well you bought too many of those, haven't you or don't do that you're gonna overrun costs
1: uh, look yeah and uh, look uh, the one thing you've got to remember is actually that um builders or contractors will have their own quantities of as well, so we're not we're not just uh sort of basically um sort of working for clients um, that are in a professional practice. Um, We call those the clients QS, and then we have the contractors QSs who are working for the contractors and builders and the subcontractors or even suppliers. So, look, yeah, I'm I'm sure there are builders out there who probably think, oh, you're going to get a quantity surveyor on there, therefore they're going to be checking everything. And that's the whole point of what we do. We're, We're ensuring that the client gets value for money ensuring that they, the builder is actually doing everything that they say they're going to do and they're not going to suddenly charge for additional work that actually should have been counted for at the very beginning of the project.
0: If you've got a question for our quantity survey, you can text me on 2101. Here's a random one from a listener who asks... Is the industry doing anything to encourage more women into the field? Currently, it's very heavily male-dominated. Have you noticed much change among other quantity surveyors and, and whether there's much of an initiative in that area, Martin?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, look, as a, uh, look, I, I, I'm actually the past president of the New Zealand Institute of Quantity Surveyors, and our current demographics is that we've got 30% female, um, and certainly the studying for QSing. I think we're even higher than that. I think we're actually probably tracking uh, around about 60% of them are female. So look, we certainly are heading in that direction. There is actually uh, a thing called NARWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, which is particularly uh, there to assist their uh, females to, to get into construction. So yeah, certainly it's something that we are seeing uh, a larger... Amount of them being interested in being quantity surveyor.
0: How much do you train, and and what is involved?
1: Mm, okay, yeah, it's a good question. So, look, basically, um, look in New Zealand. First off, I'll just mention that quantity surveyor actually isn't a protected uh, title, so something like an architect, you have to uh, be registered. But in New Zealand, being a quantity surveyor, anybody can say they can be a quantity surveyor. But um, the New Zealand Institute of Quantities of sort of accredits a number of courses in New Zealand, and these are um, either a diploma in Quantities of which you, you can get from many of the Teipu uh, Kanga places around the country. You can do a degree, which is generally about three years, and you could also do a postgraduate diploma, which is where you can. Uh, if you say you were an architect and you wanted to change to being a quantity surveyor, you can do uh, this diploma and learn about quantity surveying. So, generally, you're sort of looking at about two to three years of study. And then, once you uh, get out of there, uh, the New Zealand Institute of Quantity Surveyors has a sort of career development pathway to becoming a recognised member. And that takes about two to three years after you qualify from. uh, Doing your degree or diploma. And just as an aside on that, our members um, all have to complete CPD. Um, And so that ensures that all of our members are sort of up to date, current with what's going on in the industry. There's been the change to the, um, the standard contracts that are coming out, and we're all aware of those changes that are going to go ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's say I'm doing a renovation. Um, we'll say it's in Auckland, so the renovation is going to cost about $500,000. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how many people would engage a quantity, quantity surveyor for that? And, and, if they, and, and if they did, what would it cost them? And, and I mean, I expect the answer will be yes, given that you are one, but you know, does it pay off?
1: Well, yeah, look, um, you're right. I mean, look, doing a an extension or doing half a million dollars worth of work, sometimes clients don't feel that that's really worthwhile getting a quantity surveyor involved. So often I find that the architects will give me some plans and I'll work out what that's going to cost them. And then the architect will sort of run the project from there. What? We bring into that is the fact that we've actually worked on the estimate we know what we've put into there. we also um, know the the builders that are around and can recommend which ones to use. Um, we also um, you know know about the um, time frames that it might actually be to get that project going. so that certainly on half a million dollar projects. Uh, I wouldn't say that we were always engaged, but I certainly have been involved in some of those. Uh, the cost, well, look, I suppose it's like anything, really. You pay for what you get. Um, and a, a lot of projects on something like that, the cost of a quantity of could be quite a, quite a bit. You might be paying something between maybe about 130 and maybe 180 or 200 dollars an hour sometimes for some of our services but i see it as like if you were a lawyer you'd be charging a bit more than that but we're providing a service which ensures that you're going to get value for money from your builder you're not going to overpay them and if there are variations we are going to be able to uh certify that they are true and valid
0: how do you deal with the fact that we've had pretty rapid building inflation over the last few years? Do you build that in to your estimates or do you say a couple of months in, hey, look, I did the best I could, but suddenly we've got no jib?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, I, I think we've, we've got to the situation now where things are much more stable. The, uh, the last couple of years have certainly been pretty um, tough on the inflation front. The, uh, you know, look we, we were looking at certain costs rising sort of 10, 15, you know, 50% for certain items. I mean, a jib was one of those items where it wasn't just the fact that um, you couldn't get any. It, it was installed it was stopping projects from moving forward. So, therefore, there were on costs from that as well. Um, look, we have stabilised. Uh, look, certainly, I think products are definitely uh, levelling out. Um so the cost of buildings is probably not going up in sort of ten percent um per annum or more now. We're probably looking still around about the five percent mark. Um, but it's it's one of those things where yes, we do take that into account. So look, if you're doing a project in six months' time, we'll have a look at The inflation is likely to be in those six months and also taking into account that actually if you're working on something that's in six months time, it might actually last for another six or a year or two years. And we need to take inflation at the end of the project as well because that's where some of those costs are likely to be.
0: We got an architect, writes one listener, to design a dream house. And all the way through the project, he told us we were looking at approximately $4,000 a square metre. We then got a quantity surveyor in, and he costed the project at $7,000 a square metre, which was confirmed by eight different builders. Why is there such a disconnect between architects and their understanding of what things cost?
1: (laughs) Oh dear. Um look, um look so, certainly architects do know how how much things cost. Um and I think they do a great job. But um certainly the quantity is the only one that really is qualified enough to know the, the full extent of everything that's on those drawings and also what isn't on those drawings. Because the main thing is is that if you look at a set of plans that come out, there may be things that are missing from there, such as um the, uh, the mechanical and the electrical services might be fully detailed. there might be some some doors missing. but also when you're looking at a project, you need to look at other parameters which are such as things where are the existing services what are the existing ground conditions you know, do we need to um, level the site to you know where are we building? Could it be in the suburbs? Uh, could we be rural and therefore there's additional costs there as well? So, um, look, the architects, I think, do a great job, but, but certainly uh, surveyors have been doing estimates for, for many, many years, and they're qualified to do that in a in a set way. And so, yeah, I'd say that if you if you really want to ensure you get the right cost for a project, then you should come to a surveyor.
0: Okay, Sandra's listening. She says, we used a quantity surveyor for our house build. It was an excellent tool and there were no surprises. Um, Someone else wants to know Mm -hmm. about large infrastructure bids and whether there is an established margin of error, like a plus or minus X percent. That's Trent, and I suspect what Trent is getting at is that there is a bit of a history of infrastructure projects blowing out.
1: Yeah look I, look I have to say I'm not an expert on infrastructure um, and but I can certainly know that everybody knows you know Transmission Gully that was certainly uh, overrun by millions of dollars and at the end of the day uh, some of that was down to the, the Covid uh, area area, where we were certainly um, going through there we had delays but but some of it was uh, the fact that these contracts are sort of like measuring values, so you can say that this is what the quantities are when you start, but at, at the end of the project they are re-measured. and uh, those might be that there are additional quantities that, that are going to be going into there. Uh, look, certainly, I would lo- if that you know person would like to find out a bit more, we would cer- I'd certainly be happy to pass it on to somebody who could answer that in a little bit better way.
0: Thank you. What is the waste percentage, asks one person, for example, plasterboard or timber in a construction project? And um, I guess if someone's listening and not quite sure what, what that person means, I guess, you know, if you have to buy X square meters of plasterboard or if you need to build using X square meters of plasterboard, how much do you need to order?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, they do vary. Um, it does depend on what the product is. Um, but look, it, generally, you're looking somewhere between like like 5 and 10% for a waste factor on that. I mean, you've got to remember, look, if you've got a piece of chipboard and you have to put it around a, a door, you're going to cut out a bit of uh, plasterboard there and that plasterboard may not be out of use somewhere else. Um, because, um, so that's where you get your wastage. So, yeah, somewhere between 5 and 10%, but other products, it may be higher, depending on obviously how many openings you have in the room or something like that as well.
0: Cam says, I don't want to be negative, but if you're working in construction and have half a brain, you know what materials you're going to need. You won't need a quantity surveyor. If you can't figure it out yourself, you shouldn't be in construction. That's Cam's view.
1: (laughs) Right, okay. Uh, Yeah, I like that. Um, It's quite good. I mean, look, uh, you certainly certainly would think that um, you would would get it right. But, I mean, you've got to remember that what we're trying to do is is that there are also changes um, that go on. Uh, and basically, sometimes those changes that are these variations that happen mean that you have to change your quantities now when you when you order quantities of of anything you, say you're adding the wastage, but in some cases it depends what was on the plans to begin with, uh, and so you end up with the fact that something that was specified may end up of uh, change specification. it wasn't noticed to the builder, and that builder has ordered the original ones. So for a client, I would suggest that um, they aren't really skilled enough to be able to say, yes, I can order enough jibble to go around there as well. Um, they need to take into account that wastage factor.
0: Any advice for new quantity surveyors getting into the industry, asks one person, anything you'd have done differently?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, look, I, I was fortunate. I I trained in the UK and I got my degree and I worked for a really uh, large company. So I got some expert um, training there, working with some great mentors. So I would suggest that if you, whatever company you go into, see uh, who's, who's above you, what their training regime is. Do they have mentors there? If they don't have anybody else that is a of available there, seek advice. Uh, be a member of the NZIQS. They can help you with mentors. They've got a career program um, that takes you forward uh, and tells you how to do things. So um, is there anything that I, w- I probably wouldn't have done any differently, actually? No, I- I've been fortunate in that I've done a lot of different projects. Um, I, I've been fortunate in working in many different sectors of the organisation so I, I don't really think I've got any regrets at all
0: uh, Quantity surveyors is accountable Martin, if you tell me something's going to cost a million dollars and then it costs two million can I come knock on your door and say Oi, pay up
1: <laughs> Yeah, look um, look, the NZIQS does have a, a code of conduct and obviously if you think somebody's broken that code of conduct, then you can, can obviously uh, come to the, end the IQS and, and and maybe make a complaint about them. I'll actually put that um, also that our executive uh, has recently had phone calls about quantity surveyors that have not um, done a very good job. And then we found out that they're actually not members of the uh, museum and quantity surveyors, so there's nothing we can do about it. So um, if if you want to ensure you're getting somebody who's Pretty qualified, I'd suggest you, be, you find a member from the New Zealand Institute of Granted
0: What's the biggest project you've ever worked on?
1: Oh, um, well actually um, I was involved in uh, the Inc. Comet Bank building, which was, uh, the, was the tallest building in Frankfurt. Uh, for many many years It's uh, well it's the tallest building in Europe actually gosh um it was 60' forget now 65 stories high out of big antenna and uh, uh that was millions and millions of, of of euros and it's not now the tallest building in Europe but um yeah I've worked I've worked on that um so that that's probably the the most um Ah, expensive one,
0: one
1: yeah. of the sort of most weirdest ones I worked on actually was at, um, the Tower of London. They were going to um, decide to put the moat back into the it, around the Tower of London and I had to work out the cost for uh, reinstalling a moat in uh, the Tower of London. Come on. So it didn't go. Yeah, it, did, it didn't happen, um, but yeah.
0: You had to price a moat.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep, a moat, yep.
0: Um, oh, maybe I'll get yeah. you to price a moat around my house. <laughs> how, how, do you, <laughs> how, how do you build a moat?
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Lots of diggers, uh, lots of uh, waterproofing materials. Um, it was right next to Thames, so plenty of water to flow in there. <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, so yeah, that's certainly um, uh, an interesting project. Tell me about
0: disputes and when a quantity surveyor can help with a dispute.
1: Yeah, okay, that's quite good. I mean, look, actually, I've been involved in quite a few disputes where somebody's had um, some issues with a builder, and they haven't had any recourse from them, so I've been able to get involved. And basically, what what we try and do, we've got to be fair and reasonable. So basically, I'll go and see the, uh, the client that wants to um, have his dispute, try and see where that is. Check the drawings, Check to see if uh, they are correct, that there was an error. And if there is, then it's a case of working with the client to, to speak for the builder, try and reconcile these uh, this disputed amount, and then hopefully try and get some reconciliation. Now, it's better to come to us first than try, try and go to a lawyer, because at the end of the day, lawyers are actually quite expensive. Um, and if you came to a quantity surveyor, they have expert knowledge of contracts. They're very good at uh, estimating uh, quantities as well, so they can certainly work their way through and come up with uh, a revised cost. If that's really what the dispute is about.
0: Can you tell us about a recent dispute?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I... um. I was working. I was asked to work on a project where the builder was running late, and they um, had been charging a whole lot of variations. So I, I came in. I had a look at these variations, and because there were no breakdowns, these variations, I was able to show that these variations were overvalued. And was therefore able to get a reduced rate on some of those variations and save the money that the client obviously um, was going to overpay.
0: Oh, that's a good outcome. What about this retaining wall that you got involved with?
1: Ah, retaining wall. Yes, that's right. Oh, you heard about that one? Yeah. Well, look, I had <laughs> to do this little dispute with a retaining wall that was literally somebody had subdivided their land. They um, the um new building was going to be put up and they built a retaining wall um, up, uh, against the existing land but they put this retaining wall on the too far um, past the boundary so therefore um, it became a bit of a case where I had to work out the cost of removing the retaining wall and put it in a new position. Now, this was probably not going to happen but it was used as a bath tool to try and... Yeah. Uh, pay the, the existing landholder a, a sum of money for what for, um, what it would have cost them to, to move it. So it was a bit of a bartering tool. But, yeah, it was an interesting thing that I had to do.
0: Ewan's listening in Dunedin, talking about calculating timber. He says 10 times your wall length is a surprisingly accurate way to calculate the timber needed. That's top and bottom plates, two rows of nogs and studs. You heard that one before?
1: uh look that's new on me i have to say but look I, i'm happy if that's what i think it is then, then that's something i'll take on board something i've learnt today then <laughs> 10 times brilliant
0: rufus says when we watch shows like grand designs uk we're constantly amazed at the variety of wonderful building materials available often from europe which never become available in new zealand maybe our small size is the barrier does your guest have any views on this
1: yeah, look, obviously, um, yeah, I think that's probably what you're talking about, small size, and also the cost of trying to get these buildings into New Zealand is often, uh, you know, a problem. We also have to ensure that they do meet our standards, and that's where we also have to um, ensure that the, that somebody like Brands can test them, ensure that they are going to... Stand up to our different climates because you've got to remember some of these um buildings that go up. Talk about grand designs in the mm. UK, and they come to New Zealand. They may not stand up to our um, sort of climate, especially the sun that we have. A lot of solar here, which can affect the the, the product. So. Yeah, look, it needs somebody who, who wants to bring them in. And, and look, certainly clients do do that. They certainly do bring them in. Um, but you you will obviously have to pay for that uh, additional cost of freight, bringing it over.
0: Uh, here's a question. This is something all of us have to do, or actually all homeowners have to do, is estimate how much your house would cost to rebuild. That's something insurers ask you to do now. Um, there are online calculators, but, but do you think, and again, your answer is slightly compromised given you are a quantity surveyor, but do you think it's worth engaging a quantity surveyor to work it out beforehand and then insuring for that much?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, that, that was obviously one of it's also one of the things that I've done a bit of as well. But I think that one of the uh, things that you have to take on board is that it depends on my, and how good your plans are. If you've got some drawings that already exist and it's easy for that quantity surveyor to look at those drawings that, and prepare an estimate for the rebuild cost, then that, that saves time. But if you have to get somebody to go to the site and measure up, that takes a bit of time. So there are quantity surveyors out there who offer that as a service. Um, I, so if you went online and you had a look, there are a couple of quantity surveying firms that do that. And they basically are also online as well, but because they're run by quantity surveyors, they're actually quite a quite a good tool to try.
0: Thank you, Liz. This is related. Liz lost her home the Canterbury quake, uh, and got a quantity surveyor to price her rebuild. The insurer came back with a value of two hundred thousand dollars less and after 6 years of arguing they finally paid out the surveyor's estimate does that surprise you um got about a minute to go are um do you often find yourself at loggerheads with insurers
1: yes i do in fact i had a project in hamilton only uh, last year where i had a fire and i argued the case and and uh, um, it took about 7 or 8 months for us to sort out the cost, And then eventually the insurers agreed that our costs were correct and that their costs uh, were sufficient to cover the cost of the rebuild. So you know, it's, it's a problem that does happen out there.
0: Okay. Finally, any uh, thoughts on who'd make a good quantity survey in case someone's thinking about changing careers?
1: Yeah, look, um, I remember getting asked this question and I think um, one of the things is, look, if you love architecture then um, certainly that's something for you um look, I, I was good at math but also look i'm, I'm pedantic <laughs> i have an eye for detail and look I, and i love meeting people um, and because you meet so many professionals out there uh, and getting on with them you need to get on in this world in construction if we all get on then we end up with a very better project uh, result at the end of the day
0: martin Bizet, a quantity surveyor expert